working remote, I own a hundred percent my weekly calendar and I have been able over time to make it so lean that I have actually carved out a lot of time that was not productive, that was even tiring me. For example, noise, for example, distraction. I actually save a lot of that time now when I work from home and I can reinvest this time in activities that I like. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. Companies today are facing a global war for talent. At the same time, talent with the skills that companies are fighting over want more flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. Talent now has a choice. And this is pushing companies to change. We will bring together thought leaders, staffing experts, and independent workers to talk about the changing nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to attract the talent that will alter the course of their business to ensure success as the pace of technological disruption increases. Welcome to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Paul Estes. My name is Mathilde. I am French. I studied an MBA in France. And I also did a, a second diploma in New Zealand, where I studied in uh, more of a technology university on project management. I uh, moved to the U.S. three years ago for a role at GE, uh, working at Global Operations, which is our shared services structure. And when I took that role, I was still in the finance world, the government leader on the project management team that was in charge of building the shared service center. I took 180 degrees turn a little bit more than a year ago when I left finance to join HR. And I actually did not really change job because I am still a project manager, but I apply my skills to HR projects instead of finance projects. So right now, I am senior program manager at GE. Uh, working on performance management, leadership, and culture initiatives. Amazing. I want to let everybody know how we got in touch with each other. You posted an article on LinkedIn, 12 Months Living as a Digital Nomad. And one, the article was fantastic. I, I love the way you told the story. And it was it was a thoughtful approach of experimenting with your career and, and figuring out the balance of, of your life. But then I saw you were in HR. And so for me, hearing an HR person say, hey, I'm going to go experiment with the way I work and then publish that article and share it with people, I just thought was was fantastic. And of course, we'll have the article itself in the show notes. One of the things I, I wanted to start with is the moment you decided to approach your boss and say, hey, I've got this idea. I want to work remotely because I, I get tons of mail and people reaching out saying, hey, tell me how to have this conversation with my manager and with my company as I fight for some flexibility. It was an interesting conversation because there was not, at least that I know, not a lot of precedent at GE. I didn't know anybody that had done that before. But on the other hand, I didn't think I was taking a very big risk bringing this up to my manager because it felt almost natural. What happened is that taking this new job in HR, I became now the only one on that global team that was based in Cincinnati. We talked about, of course, recruiting the team, but we are used to working in global setups. 
at the east, not a problem. We have great technology. So we decided that at least for those 12 months, I could stay in Cincinnati. So I started to work a lot more from home just so I could save time on commute because it was convenient, it's quiet. And I would still go to the office from time to time because I felt like it was important to stay connected with my colleagues or my even my friends from my former role. And it started like that. And then I am a big fan of travel and I travel as much as I can, especially being French in the US. I feel like I have so much to discover in the country. So when I was traveling for the weekend, I realized that there was actually not that much need to rush back to Cincinnati on a Sunday night to go back to work on Monday morning. I realized most probably I could travel on weekends when I want and probably just work from wherever I am the whole week and then I enjoy another weekend, which would make the trip more worth it. I also realized that during the weekdays, I could do a lot of fun new things in the city where I was traveling, such as networking events with a new community or new people from a new city. I could try new gyms. I could just discover new museums. So I also felt like there was an opportunity for me, even on weekdays, outside the working hours. So I thought about it a little bit. And uh, when I felt comfortable, I brought it up to my manager. I have to say that she was working remotely as well. So I was pretty confident she would also probably understand where I'm coming from. And very quickly, she was uh, impressed. She was a bit surprised. She was uh, very intrigued. And she said, yes. She said, let's do it together. Let's see how it feels. Let's start with one trip. And as long as it doesn't impact at all your performance, your attendance meetings, I don't see why this would be a problem. I've worked at global technology companies as well. And so I'm familiar with working different time zones and with different cultures. But the overall culture of GE, was it that some people worked remote, but a majority of people still worked in offices? I mean, how was the culture of GE at the time when you were taking this, what most people would consider a risk, and you say, hey, this is just a natural evolution of how I want to live? Well, I think it's really important to say that a lot of people at GE, of course, stick together, work in the same location. And that's great because due to the nature of what we do, we need a lot of collaboration. And for some people, face-to-face collaboration is the best way to exchange ideas, to create, to challenge, to build relationships. Just from a work standpoint, I think that is still very true, very much needed. But also from a personal standpoint, I, I have talked about that with many colleagues and may, many of them say that they actually prefer having a routine, going to the office every day, give them a rhythm, give them a discipline. So this is still very true today. It's not because I pioneered a little bit that road that I feel like I opened a broader one just yet. I really took that as an experiment for myself. Because the job I was on and the context I was in really allowed me to do that without an impact, actually, on on the rest of my team, because we were all remote already. So I would say that the culture is still very much like that today. Maybe I am opening a door. That's the question I am raising. How did your colleagues 
react to it. I'd imagine that some people would say, well, hey, I want to do that too. Or, you know, why does she get to do this and I don't get to do this? Like, was there any reaction or were people curious? Because I'd imagine that you had to tell them or did you just continue working and not let them know that you were still traveling? I opted a little bit for the second option. So first of all, because my manager and I, we agreed that we would try. I didn't make any big announcement about that because I thought, let's try. She knows, I know that's the most important to start with. And of course, I, I was always close to my team members. So to whoever it made sense, I shared it over time, little bit by little bit. Uh, we use the camera a lot when we work, and some of them would see a different background behind me from week <laughs> to week. So they would ask me, oh, where are you today? And then I would be super happy to, you know, flip the, the laptop and show them mountains or show them the beach or show them a, a nice skyline from a big city. So I was not hiding it at all. I just felt like I shared it progressively, first with my most close partners or team members. And then whenever I had a chance in smaller groups, I shared about my experience little by little. But I was very careful, for sure, because this was an experiment. I wasn't sure how my colleagues would react. I wasn't sure how I would be seen. I thought about that also. Well, what was their response? Were they curious? Did you feel jealousy? Or when you told people and you showed them their ma- the mountains and all the amazing things, how did you think they felt? I felt the whole time that everybody was so excited for me, honestly. And I want to say that in the most positive way, I was a bit surprised because, yes, I was ready and I was careful because I expected maybe I'm going to get some jealousy or some people that are going to raise, why is she doing that? This is French. This is new. This is, I don't know. I was expecting that, but I got a lot of positive reactions. Some people would tell me, oh, that's perfect. If you can do that right now at that point in time in your life, do it. You, you see the country, you learn so much. And some people even recognize the fact that traveling solo, because most of the time I was just creating my own agenda. I was creating my own travel plan on my own. I spend a, a lot of solo time. So it's reflection time as well. And some people saw that very quickly. And they actually celebrated the fact that I am able to spend time on my own, to dedicate time to reading, to personal growth. So it went even beyond, I'm excited that you're traveling. That's amazing that you had the opportunity to get the personal growth aspects of it. I think when I moved to working remotely, I was surprised at how much time I had to read and think and reskill myself and really invest in myself personally and professionally, which I think in general makes me a better talent to apply to to organizations. When you say you've traveled, I I just want to give people some statistics on your travel. It's not like you've been to a couple of places. You visited 33 countries around the world, 29 American states, and 15 U.S. national parks. So it's just to give everybody an idea when you say you enjoy traveling, I think as a As a person from France, you've seen more of the country than a lot of people in America. When you were doing that travel, what are the routines and and things that you had to develop that were new? When I started working remotely, I had to 
put in a lot of new routines and self-discipline that I used to have at, at old jobs where there was structure. I just kind of plugged into an existing structure. But what were some of the things that changed when you started working as a digital nomad? I love this question because some of them I anticipated it. Some of it, it was a complete surprise. And I am so glad about all the learnings about what I had to change to be the most productive employee while doing this. So first of all, I think I can say that I was always very much disciplined. I feel like I am always very clear on what I have to deliver for work. So this was my number one. But with this experience, it really had to stay my number one. And I think one thing that changed is that I took it to the next level. It had to be super clear what was expected from me and by when. And because I felt in a way that this was a privilege, this was even more important for me to achieve that, my deliverables on time, and maybe a little bit more. I have actually read a lot of articles from other digital nomads, and they all say that at the beginning, they feel so privileged that they work even harder than what they used to do when they were based in an office because they want to pay back. So that's one thing that I have immediately noticed is that whenever I was uh, traveling, flying on the weekend, I would read emails, I would reply quickly to something, I was using my flight time to, to work, which maybe I would not necessarily have done in the past when I was based in an office. So this is the first thing that changed. The second step of that was I realized I have to be careful because now I'm kind of working all the time, seven days a week, there is not really a break. It, it, makes the difference between personal life and work life a little bit more blurry. So I had to learn also discipline about this is work time, this is play time. So this was actually really interesting to, to learn. You talk about working 24-7, and I have the same challenge with my cell phone. And I, and I had that before when I was working in a more traditional setting and I now have a policy that my phone sits in my office and I don't carry it around my house, you know, so that I can step away from work and, and social media. What are the, the things that you put in place to help drive that difference between work and, and personal time? I am a big fan of the to-do list. I think what I explored even further over the past year is that when I am given now quarter priority or yearly priority, goal, objective, I drill down further and I break this down in smaller time frames. So for example, every week I would have an agreement with myself, but also of course with my manager, this week I'm going to do that. And then I was even trying to break this down by day. And this was really helping me define at the end of the day, yes, I did this and that and I'm, I feel really good about it. And now I can move on and go do something else. So, but I was very clear on what I must achieve today, in three days, this week, this month, this quarter. And this was really what was driving my schedule on a daily basis. I think I should have done that when I was at the office already. I should have done that because this is true for everybody. But I think when we sit at the office, Maybe we have more of an objective of time, which is, okay, I arrived this morning at this time and now it's this time and it's time to go. 
everybody's leaving, I'm leaving as well, and I will continue tomorrow. When I was working on a much more flexible schedule, I felt that this is how I achieved a better performance over my, my year of digital nomad. This is one of my key learnings because I structured my days much more on a performance basis, deliverable basis more than time. And that helped me learn so much about performance management as well. I've done the same thing every day I wake up and I have a project list of these are the things that I'm going to do today and then rip that up and I rewrite it actually every day. And there's something about writing the list. One of the things that I think is important that you said is when I had a you know large team and was managing the team and you'd have one-on-ones and you'd talk to folks, I always would write stuff down for my manager. So if I was going to go into a meeting, i say, hey, this week, these are the things that I'm going to accomplish if if there's other things that you have context with, there's something more important, hey, give me that guidance. And so, especially when I started working with freelancers, I transitioned into more objectives and projects rather than looking at my time. And then I, I started to understand how much time to allot to those projects. And so I'm a, I'm a big list person. In fact, I have my list in front of me now. So that, that really resonates with me. If you could talk to companies, if there's an HR person, a procurement person, or hey, a person that is thinking about working remotely, what sort of advice do you give to other companies on how to help people who want to experiment in this way? So I would probably give two types of advice, one for the manager of the employee and one for the employee himself, because these are two different sets of, of advice. For the manager, I would say, before approving that, take a look at the current context of the employee. How much of his job is already done, can already be done remotely in the way that it's done through Skype or through technologies that doesn't require face-to-face collaboration. And I would encourage the manager to take a look at how much of the time of the the employee is dedicated to -to face-to-face collaboration. What type of work do they do? Do they create brainstorms and sit down with teams all day long to launch a new product? Or are they single contributors? Do they have a team under them? How do they work currently? And how much impact would the remote work have on the rest of the team? I would really encourage to look at that. The second aspect for the manager is performance. How is that employee performing today? how much trust the person has in this employee, how disciplined are they, how organized are they, how much do they do based on what they say they would do. I would really encourage them to look at also maturity, how mature is the person to kind of be so autonomous that they can still deliver being on their own. I think all these are good questions. It's difficult because it can mean that there could be two different approach within a company. But I think the context really, really matters. As this is, this could be new, the context of the employee really matters. For the employee, I would uh, challenge them to, to think how much of a social life they think they need. Because when you travel from one city to the other, it can be a little bit tiring to introduce yourself new people all the time and you may need at some point a good friend to talk to and you would like to have coffee or be with that friend and 
you're alone in San Francisco. So how open are they to making new connections? How comfortable are they to go out there and meet new people at higher rates, I would say? That is one good question. The second one is uh, logistics. I would encourage them to think about the logistics of it because, of course, I was paying all of that on my own. And it requires a lot of logistics that have to be done on top of the job, booking flights, booking hotels, thinking about a lot of things, not losing anything, not forgetting anything. This is quite some logistics that are added to the day-to-day life. I would suggest them to think about things like that. One of the things I was most concerned about when I was moving remote, and I think you brought it up, is is working from home going to be isolating? Am I going to feel, you know, when I go to the office every day, I would talk to people, I would go to meetings. I think in my experience, I still feel connected. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have a job where I get to speak to amazing people like yourself, but I still feel connected because we're on Zoom five or six or seven times a day. And so I'm able to balance interacting with people to also having some personal time. And and I, I think when I was at an office, I didn't have the personal time from eight o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night was completely booked with meetings and really no time to recover and have personal professional time to, to reskill. And so I've actually enjoyed the balance. I know that there are other people who have different experiences, but I think your advice is spot on. One of the things that you said was about trust. And I, I think it's such an important word because I don't think we spend enough time thinking about trust and what that means and how do you communicate and set expectations? How do you write things down? How do you measure a performance of an employee? One of the things that I think managers struggle with is if I can't see you, I don't know what you're doing. And if I don't know what you're doing, then I, I'm just going to default to that you're not doing your job. When you think about freedom and you think about trust, how do you respond to the, the general skeptics on remote that says, look, I, my people need to be in the office. I need to see them at all times because otherwise they're just going to be at home watching TV or playing video games or, or traveling around enjoying themselves and not doing the work. So this is probably where I have learned the most. And that's actually interesting because it ties right back to my job because I, I work on performance management processes for the company. So this is even more interesting, this made me really realize that worst case scenario, even if we had an employee that was wasting time when working from home, I think all it says is that we do not have the right performance management system in place. Let me drill that down. At manager level, it means that either the goals that are set are not challenging enough or the follow-up on deliverables is not done accurately. For example, maybe there was no deadline for a deliverable or no agreement on the deadline. Or maybe the people leader, the manager, knows that the person could have done faster or could have done the work better, but they do not have the tough conversations they should have. So all of, of these situations I'm talking about are related to performance management and the relationship between the people leader and the employee. So in a perfect world, I think we would set up the right goals. We would provide the right coaching to employees. We would have enough touch points to discuss progress on those goals. And we would have a solid, robust performance conversation quarterly or at media or at year end that would help 
reassess constantly the expectations and the level of satisfaction on the work. I've always struggled with the quarterly and yearly performance idea because I tend to do that daily. When I had teams where I work with people, I'm constantly trying to, one, improve myself. There's things I can do better. Please give me that feedback, but also providing coachable feedback to people as as we progressed every day. The idea that it will take like a quarter, there's an end of the year thing. If you're sitting down with someone at a quarter and they're surprised at their feedback, then there's something fundamentally wrong with the performance conversation or the goal conversation. Yes. So, of course, I'm talking about those key moments in the year, more like an overall discussion. But what is really critical is is the relationship, the ongoing relationship between the employee and the manager, the touch point. This is something that we used to have multiple times a week, even when I was remote, that allow us to adjust, you know, the, the goals, the due dates, or maybe just share risk. If something is delayed, finding solution, raising the hand to ask for some help. All those little touch points all year long are helping with the day-to-day management of the objectives and deliverables. And then this should leave no surprise for the quarter update or the media or the year end. It depends what rhythm the company has. Actually, some companies don't even have the year end reviews anymore because they have such regular reviews during the year and they update everything on the go. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I was inspired by the the LinkedIn post and I'm even more excited now that I've had the opportunity to talk to you. This is my favorite part of the Talent Economy podcast. It's called the Rapid Fire section. I'm going to ask you five questions that you have not seen. And then, to be fair, I will give you the opportunity to ask me two questions. So are you ready? Yes, I am. (laughs) What is one thing about you that is not on your LinkedIn profile? Maybe my LinkedIn profile doesn't show that I actually grew up in the countryside of Normandy and that I um, was not necessarily predetermined to have the life I have today living in the U.S. You don't think it was in the cards? It wasn't predetermined? I don't think it was in the card, no. My entire family still actually is in Normandy. They work in the same family business, and I am the only one not working for this company and living abroad, actually. So, (laughs) yes, interesting evolution. (laughs) If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? I think I would like to um, trade life with a first lady of any country because they have a chance to actually invest their time in very meaningful initiatives. And that's not only true for first ladies, of course, but I I just uh, always look up to the role they have. If you were stranded on a tropical island, what two things would you want with you? I would love to have a meaningful partner with me because I really value dialogue and personal growth. And as much as I value alone time to go deep, I also value very much dialogue with people in general. So definitely I would want somebody with me on this island. And I think I would uh, probably take a piece of food that I really like. Let's say a piece of bread. There you go. What book or movie has inspired you the most over the past year? I would definitely mention the last book I read on my last trip. So at the beginning of the month, I went in the south of the U.S. and I traveled in 
Utah, Arizona, Colorado. I had an amazing trip in the national park. And all along, as I was hiking, I was actually reading a book, but the audio version of The Seven Habits of Highly Efficient People. And this has been such an amazing book. It's a bestseller. It's very well known, but I never had a chance to read it before. And I learned so much from that book. I, I think I will actually read it several times in my life. There you go. And last question. What is better, being radically curious or having attention to detail? Oh, definitely for me being curious. I think when people are curious, it's, it's crazy. Sometimes the universe is bringing things to us. We don't really know why, but just because we are curious, we go explore and opening a new door and a new door and a new door. And I am amazed that watching this happen in my life. I, I asked that question because I'm waiting for the person who says attention to detail because I really want to know why they, they chose that. <laughs> so I want to give you the opportunity to ask me any two questions. Yes. So I would ask you, why do you believe in, in the future of working remote? There's a couple of reasons. One, when I started working with freelancers remotely, it opened my eyes, I think, to your point about just new opportunities and new people. I found that I work in big technology and there's some amazing people, but there wasn't a lot of diversity. And I mean diversity of thought, diversity of experience. And I was, when I started working with freelancers, it was just amazing. I was learning nonstop. I was being exposed to things. It's taken me down this path where I get to learn and, and have the opportunity to talk to you. And so it feeds my curiosity to have just a broader network of diverse people to work with. And then on, on a personal level, I think I can be more effective working remotely. I can spend time with my kids. It's just a better way for, for me personally and professionally to provide value and, and find balance. I, I struggled and I've written an article about my opinion on meetings. And if anybody knows me, they know my opinion on meetings. But I found that I was spending 60 or 70% of my life not adding value professionally, just sitting in recurring weekly meetings, having conversations that in my opinion, weren't providing value to the business and I wasn't, wasn't learning. So that's, that's kind of why I followed this path. Yes, that makes sense. What are the activities that you love doing in your free time? It's a good question. I always find random exercise. And so now I'm into running and I'm about to start rowing uh, soon. And so I try to mix it up and, and do that. I would say that Reading, I, I read a, a ton. I enjoy reading a, a bunch. And I have uh, two young daughters and they take up a, a bunch of time. And, and so I spend a lot of time with them exploring and, and trying to do fun things and, and making sure that they realize that curiosity is, is the biggest uh, superpower. And so it's kind of where I spend my time these days. I really love that. Actually, one thing I have not touched on through all the questions that you have asked me but to me, this is the biggest learning on a personal sense, beyond work and beyond performance. I have discovered that working remote, I own 100% my weekly calendar. And I have been able over time to make it so lean that I have actually carved out a lot of time that was not productive, that was even tiring me. For example, noise, for example, distraction. I actually save a lot of that time now when I work from home and I can reinvest this time in activities that I like, like you just said. And not only this is making me less tired, but it actually re-energizes me. 
when I have a chance to attend one more class, one more yoga, one more hike, read one more book, or just have one more hour of sauna, it completely recharged my battery. So I think it's a nice hand in hand that goes really well with, with work. That resonates with me, the, the fact that I actually get to own my time and, and figure out how to be more productive. I'm, I am much more productive now than I was, I would say, over the past couple of years working in a more structured environment, driving in traffic, sitting through meetings and, and all of that. And so I am passionate about sharing those learnings and, and the learnings and experiences that people like you have had with others that are that are thinking about wanting the same sort of future for themselves in the way they work, in the way they live. If people want to get in touch with you or learn more about or hear your story, what is the best way to reach out? They can definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. I actually really love it when people reach out to me. I check it every day. So one email, uh, one little note, and I would be happy to, to answer any question anybody may have. That's great. Hey, thank you so much for your time and, and sharing your story. And I look forward to getting it out to folks and, and working with you more in the future. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Paul. I'm really glad we had that chance to connect. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm your host, Paul Estes. Thank you for listening to the Talent Economy Podcast. Learn more about the future of work and the transformation of the staffing industry from those leading the conversation at staffing.com, where you can hear from experts, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and get access to the best industry research on the future of staffing. If you've enjoyed the conversation, we'd appreciate you rating us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or just tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of The Talent Economy. 